Hello everybody. This is the seventh sermon in our series looking at the book of Acts. Today we're in Acts 15 verses 36 through to Acts 16 verse 15. And today we're finding reasons for confidence in the sovereign God. I guess if there is one thing that the year 2020 has taught us, it is that we as human beings are not as in control as we think we are. The year began with evidence of the devastating effects of climate change. We may have caused some of this trouble, but we are definitely not in control of it. Fires rage, storms batter, sea levels rise and deserts spread, and we are left scrambling to respond. Then came the pandemic, and almost every element of our lives changed overnight. Much-loved routines went out the window, and the freedom to travel and visit who we liked was taken away. Even today, when we thought we had a handle on this virus, we are being told of an exponential increase in cases again in Europe. It seems we still do not have it fully under control. This realisation that we are not in control is of course upsetting and destabilising. In our fear we become quick to lash out at others. As our anxiety lingers we start to tire and can find ourselves heading towards despair. The Bible though has an answer to this. It is brutally honest. No, as human beings we are definitely not in control. But we are not to fear. Because God is. That is not to say that God wills everything that happens to us. There is a reality to evil and a battle going on. But God is sovereign. And in the end, nothing can stop his purposes coming to be. The famous Baptist minister Charles Spurgeon knew well what it was to suffer. As a child, he lived in poverty as a young man, his ministry was attacked by the media. After a tragedy at one of his services, he suffered depression for the rest of his life. His final years were lived with the pain of gout, rheumatism and kidney disease. Yet this was a man that God used to lead thousands to faith. And his legacy continues to this day. Towards the end of his life, Spurgeon wrote on how one of the greatest lessons he had learnt was to trust the sovereignty of God in all things. Here is a quote which I love. Spurgeon said, When you go through a trial, the sovereignty of God is the pillow upon which you lay your head. When you go through a trial, the sovereignty of God is the pillow upon which you lay your head. I believe that is a message we all need to hear today, myself included. And our reading from Acts gives us four pieces of evidence to take confidence from. The first thing we discover is that because God is sovereign... He has the ability to bring good things from bad situations. This is found in verses 36 to 41 of chapter 15. There's no getting around it. These six verses detail a shameful episode in the history of the early church. 
They are preserved in scripture as a warning to us all and give evidence that Acts really is a true account because no one comes out of this in a good light. After the Council of Jerusalem, Paul and Barnabas decided that they needed to go back to the churches that they had set up on their previous missionary journey. But just as they were about to set off, they had a severe falling out. It all related to John Mark. Paul did not want to take him because he saw him as a liability. Back in chapter 13, Mark had deserted them and returned home. By doing so, he had avoided all the persecution that Paul and Barnabas went through in Galatia. And as Paul planned to return to these dangerous regions, he feared that Mark would do the same again. And when you're up against it, you want to know that your comrades will stand with you. Barnabas, the man known for being an encourager, disagreed, however. He wanted to give Mark a second chance. After all, he'd done the same for Paul himself not that long ago after his miraculous conversion on the Damascus Road. As with all arguments, the worst fallings out take place when there is an element of truth on both sides. Here, Paul and Barnabas go through such a paroxysm of shouting and sharp words, they're forced to part company. This is not good. This is human frailty and sin in action. The only saving grace here is that they do not completely burn their bridges, because towards the end of his life we find Paul reunited with both Barnabas and Mark. But in this moment, this is as bad and as destructive as human relationships get. And yet, even this aberration cannot foil God's plans. For what do we read next? When they split, they gathered new companions and headed off in different directions to do the work of the Lord. In other words, two missionary journeys began when before they had only planned one. Who knows how many more people got to hear the gospel because of this parting of the ways. Because our God is sovereign, he can bring good out of dreadful situations. He did this most clearly of all through the murder of his son. What was an act of terrible injustice, he was able to transform into the act that saved the world. Here on Isla, we have seen it in the fact that four of our young people came to faith recently on a Youth Alpha course. A course that just would not have taken place if the pandemic had not freed up their time and introduced us to Zoom. God really does have the power to bring good out of bad situations and he's still doing this today. The second thing we discover in this passage is that because God is sovereign, he has the ability to raise up the right people just at the right time. This comes from verses 1 to 5 of chapter 16. After parting ways with Barnabas, Paul embarks on a difficult tour of Galatia. It will be an exhausting trip of preaching the gospel, discipling new believers, encouraging churches and overcoming much opposition. This is a daunting task even for the very talented Apostle Paul. 
Instinctively, he knows that he requires a team around him to share the load. He already has the companionship of Silas, but he needs much more than that. Most importantly, he needs someone with local knowledge of the areas that he is about to visit. Suddenly, on arrival at his first major town, young Timothy is raised to his attention. On meeting him, Paul quickly realises that Timothy is perfect for the task. Timothy was born and raised in the region, so he knows the geography and the customs. He's highly thought of by the locals, so gains Paul some credibility. He is young, energetic and ready to learn. And perhaps best of all, he is sacrificial in his obedience to God. In these brief verses, we read that Timothy was prepared to get circumcised, even though he didn't need to, just to gain a listening ear from the Jews in the region. On arriving in Derby, desperate for help, almost immediately, Paul has found a key partner and friend, not just for this trip, but for the rest of his life. Straight away, we get to see the fruit to Timothy's companionship. In verse 5, we read of churches growing and people coming to faith. The provision of Timothy cannot be coincidence. The Lord knew what Paul needed. Although the passage does not say it, Paul no doubt had been praying for assistance. And here God provides. Again, this is a pattern to be found throughout scripture. God raises up the right people just at the right time. Think of Moses, Joshua, Samuel and David. Think most of all of Jesus and then even Paul himself. God knows the people he needs for his purposes and calls them to service. I've experienced this in my life. When I was struggling at Bromley, he raised up for me a friend called James. James also had been through difficult days. He later told me that my support kept him in ministry, where I felt the exact same thing about him. James also came with a wife, Lydia, who befriended Emily. Still today, we keep in regular contact with each other, praying for our churches. Because our God is sovereign, he can raise up the right people at the right time. When we pray, he sends the people we need. This is true for us as individuals and as a church. The third thing this passage teaches us is that because God is sovereign, he can open and close doors. This is found in verses 6 to 10 of chapter 16. With Timothy now on team, Paul and his two companions set off on tour. They begin by travelling southwest, probably towards the important city of Ephesus. But as they do this, God slams the door shut. The Holy Spirit steps in and prevents them from going that way. Now, we don't know exactly how the Spirit did this. It could have been by words of prophecy or a conviction of conscience. But to Paul and his companions, it was obvious. So they thought to themselves, well, we came from the east. We can't go south. Let's go north towards Bithynia and Mysia. But again, the Holy Spirit slams the door shut. They were not to go that way either. 
Now, bear in mind that this little team of three have now walked about 200 miles back and forth over approximately three weeks, and they still have no idea where they're going. This is also a very new team. Timothy the youngster is probably beginning to think, what on earth did he let himself in for? Eventually, they reach Troas, a dead-end seaport on the coast. On arrival, their hearts must have sunk. They thought they were going on a great adventure for God. Now it looked as though they were going to be going home before anything had really begun. They must have questioned what God was up to and whether they had heard things right before. But then, after several doors had been closed, God opened the one he wanted. In a vision, Paul saw a man from across the sea in Macedonia calling him over to help. It must have been an extraordinary moment. After weeks of walking and waiting, wondering and praying, God has revealed his will. God wanted them to cross one of the great frontiers of the ancient world and enter Europe for the very first time. It appears God had far more in store for them than they ever dreamed of. Still today, God opens and closes doors. You ask any Christian who has prayed about a difficult situation or a big decision that has been in front of them. Circumstances change, opportunities arise, a way becomes clear when before it was hidden. Emily and I were considering a church in Northamptonshire before God closed that door and opened this one on Isla. At the same time, he was leading Jim and Riona in a very similar way here. This really does still happen. I encourage us all to pray to the sovereign God and ask him to show us his way. It can be painful and frustrating when doors close, but how much better are the ones that eventually open to us? Finally, this passage shows us that because God is sovereign, he can go before us and prepare the ground. This is from verses 11 to 15 of chapter 16. On arrival in Macedonia, Paul and his companions head straight for Philippi, the leading city of the region. Now it goes without saying that as they've never been in Europe before, they don't know anybody there and consequently have nowhere comfortable to stay. Yet they're about to discover that God has this sorted too. On the Sabbath, they look for a place to pray. There was no synagogue in the city, but they come to hear that some Jews worship God down by the river. When they get to the location, they meet Lydia. Now, Lydia was a travelling clothes dealer. She was not a European. She was Asian from Thyatira, the very region Paul and his companions had been blocked by God from travelling to. The irony of this should not be lost on us. Paul and Lydia could have met much more easily on the other side of the sea, not far from Ephesus. Yet God had brought Lydia to Philippi through her work, and he had brought Paul to the same location via a dream. All this meant that when Lydia did come to faith, Paul and his companions had someone they could stay with who would help explain to them the region. God had truly gone before them, preparing the ground. 
But what is really interesting is that the same can be said for the process of Lydia coming to faith. It says in verse 14 that the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. This gives us hope for all our family and friends who do not yet believe. It appears that God has been seeking Lydia out. He has drawn her near. She had already been interested in the Jewish preachers and their message and had opened her heart, ready to receive the full story of the gospel. None of this is to say that Lydia had no choice in the matter. She made the choice to believe. She requested baptism and she offered accommodation to Paul and his companions as her own free response. But God had been a work in advance. God's sovereignty does not negate our free decision. It enables it. This is true all over the world at the moment. God's spirit is at work in the land, preparing the ground of human hearts. Christians and churches have to follow the Spirit's lead, preach the gospel and encourage the fruit to grow. Again, we've seen this on Isla. Our junior church, the teen cafe, the stay and play all came to be so quickly because the ground had been prepared by God's work amongst you and the families of Isla over the previous few years. There is so much more that could be said about this passage, but I think the point has now been made. We're not left alone in this world. The sovereign God is with us and before us. We worship the God who can bring good out of bad situations. We worship the God who can raise up the right people at the right time. We worship the God who can open and close doors. And we worship the God who prepares the ground for our future. No wonder Spurgeon said, when you go through a trial, the sovereignty of God is the pillow upon which you lay your head. I hope this passage will give us real confidence for the week ahead. We are not in control of the world, but we know who is. We cannot explain why this crisis has happened, but we know that God remains at work and will bring good from it eventually. Let us trust and pray and choose to follow the sovereign God's lead when he shows it to us.